2021, the last day of Daniel. Uh, my name is Keith, and welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. Uh, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so final day of Daniel, man. Daniel's so good. The last uh, half where is what we're in today, like the last uh, chunk, I should say. And so remember last time we talked about how Daniel is this structured document has a basic structure of one through six and seven through 12. The first six, the first six chapters are the history of Daniel and his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And then the last six are just visions, right? That he saw. And so here in chapter nine, basically the text comes to us and says that my man's been reading the scriptures, right? He's been in the text. He's been reading scripture. He comes across the scroll of Jeremiah, right? And to what we would know, uh, what we would know of as Jeremiah 25, right? So Jeremiah 25 is this text. And it says that God promises through his prophet Jeremiah that his people would be in exile only 70 years, right? And then there would be a restoration. And so from here, Daniel begins to pray in light of what he's read, right? He's fasting, he's praying, he's grieving. And he says this, Lord, public shame belongs to us, our kings, our leaders, and our ancestors, because we have sinned against you. Compassion and forgiveness belong to the Lord, our God, that we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the Lord, our God, by following his instructions that he set out before us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has broken your law and turned away. Hear this refusing to obey you then he says this the promised curse written in the law of moses the servant of god has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him daniel is confessing the sins of his people and he points to this corporate responsibility he's like no no all of us was wilding god like everybody was wilding and he turns to god in prayer right and he's like yo he acknowledges that they broke the covenant he's like yo the covenant curses remember the covenant curses of deuteronomy 28 were poured out on the people of god here in exile and by the end of the prayer daniel's just so broken before the lord so contrite so repentant and by the end of the prayer daniel appeals to the character of god he says yo for we are not presenting our petitions before you based on our righteous acts but based on on your abundant compassion one of the things daniel shows us man is that prayer ought to be the place where we appeal to god not on the basis of our faith but on the basis of his faithfulness right daniel comes and he brings all the people's concerns he intercedes for them he in a sense uh typifies or embodies the people of god in his one prayer and you know Man, he doesn't appeal to God based on anything in him or in them, but everything in God, right? Everything in himself is what Daniel appeals to. And this is just a model for us as we come and present our cares and requests to the Lord. So good. All right. So after this, basically, it gets very, very um, obscure. Maybe is the best word. Not super clear on a ton of details. And yeah, there, there are tons and tons of literature I mean, tons of literature written on this back part of Daniel. Um, And yeah, I could even link you to some of that if you are curious, but we're going to kind of fly over. All right. So after this, um, 
you know, he receives this vision of what's going to happen in response to that. So verse 25 will say, know and understand this from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until an anointed one, the ruler will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Most people have different interpretations of what the seven weeks and the 62 weeks meant, whatever. But Daniel gets a word from the angel Gabriel. What we do know is this. He gets a word from the angel Gabriel. And in the back half of this chapter, um, it basically is going to talk about the restoration of Jerusalem. And the coming of an anointed one. The anointed one in Hebrew is a Mashiach or a Messiah, right? And so in other words, what Daniel receives is this vision that a Messiah would come, restore Jerusalem, and restore God's people. Now, after that, the text goes into the death of this anointed one, right? And in knowing what we know now, we know that this anointed one would save us through his death and his resurrection. Chapter 10 comes. And my man has another vision where he encounters this glorious being that looks like a human, right? Daniel is trembling before him and is overcome with this kind of godly fear um, because of these visions. And as we mentioned before, like Ezekiel, um, when prophets and God's people would see these visions, they would become obstinate, right? They would become almost paralyzed because they were overcome with uh, a supernatural, the supernatural presence of God. And... The being says this, he says, yo, now I have come to help you understand what will happen to your people in the last days for the vision refers to those days. Remember, the book of Daniel is apocalyptic, right? It is apocalyptic literature. That's why it's so hard to interpret. That's why everything can't be taken so literal. And remember that, you know, apocalyptic literature, uh, it talks about in the end times, right? Final judgment, the end times, the coming of the kingdom of God, right? And it's meant to give hope to people who are suffering in exile or in captivity. So chapter 11 comes and Daniel's going to receive this very, very long kind of vision and interpretation of the vision. Uh, But basically it's going to talk about these kingdoms that rise up after Daniel's time, Greek and Persian uh, in Daniel's time and after Daniel's time, the Greek and Persian kingdoms. Uh, And from there, the rest of the chapter is basically going to talk about a prophecy of a ton of events that unfold throughout um, after Daniel passes. So basically the people of God are in exile in Babylon. And from this time, from Babylon, all the way up until the first century, where you have the coming of Christ, all of these events take place, right? Especially in what we would call the intertestamental period. So this is the period between, uh, you know, Malachi and Matthew essentially, right? Like in that time between the two testaments, you're going to have a ton of events that, Man, it's so much literature written on that. And what many people call the second temple period uh, in in the intertestamental period is this time where a ton of events is going to take place. And it's all going to set the scene up for Jesus to come and for history continue to unfold. So a ton of this stuff happens. So many details. Um, but one of the things we're going to see, and this is true to history, is that the people of God were intensely persecuted uh, in those times. Right. They were intensely persecuted because of their allegiance to the one true God of Israel. And so, like we've been saying all throughout this book, if you continue to be um, loyal to the one true God, expect some form of persecution. Right. Expect some form of persecution. And what this what this narrative is going to flow into is that it's going to flow into, you know, what some would call the Battle of Armageddon. Right. The, the Great Tribulation, all this stuff, the end time uh, battle between the Antichrist 
in Christ himself. And so 36 through 45 is basically, most people would agree, talking about the Antichrist and how he's going to come, how he's going to destroy, and how he's going to deceive some of God's people, and how he's going to do all these things. But what we need to know, and what's, what's most important for us, is his end, right? So the text will say this in 44. He will go out with great fury to annihilate and then completely destroy many. 45, he will pitch his royal tents between the sea and the beautiful holy mountain. But, here's the kicker, but he will meet his end with no one to help him. In other words, the Antichrist, Satan himself, will be defeated. The good news is that we know the end from the beginning, right? And because we know that Satan will not win, we don't have to fear the future, right? We know that the future belongs to King Jesus, <clears throat> who will put Satan away one day forever. Chapter 12. <clears throat> but at that time, all your people who are found written in the book of life or written in the book will escape. Many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. Uh, this is one of the clearest statements in the Old Testament of resurrection right and at the very end of time those who are a part of the great distress and martyrdom that has taken place subsequent to daniel's time in the second temple period those who were martyred martyred under the roman empire that we get talked about in revelation those who were persecuted in the early church after the apostolic period and those who have been slain today in the modern era because of an allegiance to the lord jesus and the god of israel will awake those who have died, not as martyrs, but maybe naturally, maybe from death um, of another kind, right? If they are in Christ, if their name is written in the book of life, they will be resurrected. Our names, guys, are written with bold, red, blood-stained ink, as I like to say. When we rise bodily, Death will be a category that we no longer have use for. All evil, pain, and suffering will be done away. And this is the end to which our lives should be and the good news we should proclaim to sustain us now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, um, yeah, that some of your word, God, still may be uh, difficult to understand, Lord, but we thank you that... Uh, You've given us so many resources to understand it. I pray that we will take advantage of those. I pray that we will get the main point that Jesus is coming back, that he has resurrected, that he is on the throne, and that he is going to raise us up with him. We will reign and rule over creation forever. God, I pray that this will be uh, the end to which our lives have been. It's in Christ's name.